Welcome to Sound Funding, conversations with Europe's leading experts in impact investing. In this episode, I spoke with Zainab Fakhfak, Managing Director of Impact Partner in Tunisia. Impact Partner runs Tunisia's only impact fund, the aptly named Social Business Fund. It works with early stage startups to support employment, gender equality, and the environment. We talked about how corporates and startups can partner to innovate, Tunisia's next generation, and how to think about a trip to the country's capital. I'm Ryan Grant-Little. Thanks for joining. A quick side note before we get started. Yes, I'm talking to you, my dear listener. This is episode 13 of the podcast, and I'd love to hear what you think of it. Please rate it on whatever platform you're listening to this on. This also really helps other people to find it. And if you have ideas for future guests or topics, just look up Ryan Grant-Little on LinkedIn. Thanks, and now over to my conversation with Zainab. So Zainab, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you for having me. So tell us about Impact Partner and the Social Business Fund. So Impact Partner is known as the Unit Social Business Tunisia. And it was initially an initiative of uh, Professor Mohamed Yunus himself and the African Development Bank. And the venture was created in 2014 to promote the social business in Tunisia through incubation, acceleration and investment. In 2016, once sustainable, UYSB Tunisia became impact partner, independent, but still part of the YSB Global Network. And it started focusing on job creation and education. We support enterprises that have the potential to create sustainable jobs for both youth and women, and that can have a positive social impact. Since 2019, with the growing challenges facing the environment and the climate change, we have expanded our target to reach all sectors and to accelerate projects that are solving social and or environmental issues. Today, what you do is that we run different programs offering a variety of technical services and grant or loan funding. And through these programs, we source and help and impactful startups to grow their businesses and to become investment ready. Then our social business fund or other partners like funds, investors, or even business angels can take over and fund the project for further growth and sustainability of the social enterprises. Okay, so you're coming in at the very, very early stages and providing kind of some help beyond the capital as well. So technical assistance and that type of thing too. Exactly. So we came at the early stages and we also follow the projects in more mature and even growth stages through investment and through investment readiness programs and presenting them to other funds. I always wonder how Mohammed Yunus does it because, I mean, he's active really everywhere in the world and so many places has done so much good and uh, it's I mean, so cool to see that he's specifically set this up with you also in Tunisia. Do you work specifically in Tunisia, only within Tunisia? And maybe tell us a little bit about the landscape in Tunisia from the, the social and environmental challenges side. We, as Impact Partner, we work mainly in Tunisia. So one of our goals and future objectives is to expand uh, abroad in Africa and in the MENA region. But right now, our activities were concentrated in Tunisia. 
So the YSB network, as you said, is everywhere in the different continents, but Impact Partner is the partner in Tunisia. And today we noticed that there is a high interest into the impact investment in general and in our country. So compared to five years ago, the general ecosystem and landscape is more aware about the importance of all these impact-driven projects and their role in the development of the Tunisian economy. So today, a number of incubation and acceleration programs are focusing more on the SDGs and the green economy. So even the more classic investors are talking about impact. However, nowadays, there is no other Tunisian impact investment fund that has been created besides of the social business funds. But we are very, like, very enthusiastic in, to see all this growing interest of the entrepreneurial ecosystem as this offers for us more opportunities for collaboration and synergies with the other actors. And through the years, like we started, as I said, as incubation and investment, but we iterated our model many times. Like we changed our sourcing methodology and approach uh, as well as the support and services we're offering. So we're now more attentive to the demand of the entrepreneurs who value more introduction, market connection, or mentoring, rather than basic courses or workshops. So our program is based on a customized programs tailored to their needs. And we're also focusing more and more on the post-investment support as very crucial pillar for the success of the enterprises that we support. Yeah, that's really interesting, I think, especially as we see a proliferation of uh, accelerators and incubators trying to move away from a one-size-fits-all approach and recognizing that the great companies will, great startups will come to you, but they're all at different stages and have different kind of emphasis for the issues they need to solve. And more and more, they probably need that custom kind of approach and and need the connections or access to partners and that type of thing more than they need the 101 crash course, which they might have needed more five years ago. Exactly. And I see that, so Impact Partner works with a lot of partners itself, ranging from IFC to Oxfam and everything in between. Is that a very intentional part of your strategy, working with partners? Is that also important from the Tunisian standpoint? Yes, definitely. I mean, it's really important to collaborate with partners so we can go really far while joining forces with strategic partners that share our vision and objectives. And so you mentioned IFC and Oxfam, or even like we have the European Union or HIVOS that are like donors and fund partners that ensure that we can offer more diversified programs to the social entrepreneurs. So we are complementary and we work together, which releases more synergies and values to the whole ecosystem. So we have the chance to work with forward-looking partners that are really open to innovation and risk-taking. For example, like we recently got the support of the ISC to launch the Decentralized Impact Program, which is a decentralized acceleration program supported by a Web3 community that targets young entrepreneurs and change makers with innovative solutions using the blockchain technology. So that was 
uh, program that emerged during the implementation of the program and the partner and the donor was really open to that new program and supported that fully on it. So yeah, this is really important for us to diversify our programs and to adapt them like to the changing and innovative landscape and to the new needs of the entrepreneurs. You've also mentioned before that corporates are getting more involved in social enterprise in Tunisia. There's more awareness about how working with startups like the ones that are in your portfolio can accelerate their own needs while also doing good. Do you have some an example or two of the partnerships you've done with corporates in Tunisia? We didn't really do a partnership yet with the corporates directly. I mean, we are partner with uh, Samsung as a big corporate to run a fast track acceleration program to support social enterprises that are in the tech sector. So this is one example that we would like to repeat with other corporates. And today, as you said, there is growing interest from the companies to collaborate with the startups, especially that we can see successful collaborations internationally, you know, like the new vaccine, like the Pfizer BioNTech, which is a result of an open innovation between Pfizer and a technological chemical startup. So Tunisian corporations today try to really collaborate with startups and to respond to the shifts in the marketplace. These corporations are really interested in innovation in order to, uh, you know, to stay ahead of competitors and disruption of the market and to access rapidly these new technologies. They might want to have the startups in-house or they might want to, to transform how they work and become more agile. From the other side, we have the startups that are really willing to access the market of the corporate or their databases or their experience, as well as their resources and sometimes even their funds. So for that reason, we are starting a new program early September that aims to bring together some corporates and our alumni startups to collaborate and co-create new solutions and new ways of partnerships. So hopefully by the end of the, the year, I will have more examples of open innovation programs and collaboration between these corporates and startups. So we're really aware about the challenges that will be faced, but I mean, clearly there is a huge appetite for these kinds of partnerships and we're looking forward to having more corporate venture capitals or uh, that would be created or more in-house acceleration programs. I'll put a link to Impact Partner in the show notes for our listeners as well if they want to go and check back. We're recording this in August 2022, so a month away before you launch this program in case they want to check back. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, to your point about, so I, I work a lot with corporates who are struggling with innovation, and innovation these days almost always means on the social or environmental goals, trying to, especially these days, a lot of corporates aiming for net zero by a certain year and struggling to figure out how to do that. And a lot of times they're not really well set up internally to innovate. And so they need the kind of the impulse from of external startups and to work together. And it's always a fine balance 
to ensure that the startups can provide kind of the impulse to innovate to those corporates, but also in a way that the startups don't get crushed or lose focus by dealing with these. It's sort of like a speedboat and a tanker ship, and that can make for a challenging dance. And one of the things I always like to remind entrepreneurs when they're looking to work with corporates is that the risk profile of a corporate and a startup are inversely proportionate. So the risk for a startup is doing things too slowly and running out of money. And risk for a corporate is a lot of times making a decision too quickly and suffering from reputation risk or something like that. So to de-risk something for a corporate takes is best done over time, whereas a startup has to act quickly in order to avoid risk. Exactly. And we have to ensure that it will be like a win-win collaboration, as you said, so that, I mean, uh, focus should be aligned and each of the partners has to be fully dedicated to that partnership in order to make it like success. Exactly. And then the power dynamics that are at play also, as usually it's the corporate that is funding it and the corporate that has the money, but the startup that has the ideas and managing that in a smart way is, is definitely an art as much as a science. But there are some challenges also getting back to Tunisia in the French language magazine Entreprise. You said that there's lots of interest from abroad in investing in Tunisia, but political instability, lack of investable deals, or at least perception thereof, and challenges around transferring money out of the country can make this difficult. Is this still the case? And which of these challenges is maybe the most wicked and what can be done about it? Yeah, unfortunately, this is still the case. And I mean, we have great startups that have great growth potential in Tunisia and that are capable of attracting international investors and partners. Unfortunately, our landscape is not sufficiently connected with the international scene. And these promising entrepreneurs constrained by heavy exchange policy, which is really a hard obstacle to them, are either isolated from the international market or pushed to go incorporate abroad. So instead of attracting talents, the Tunisian talents and startups are going outside the borders. So we can mitigate the risks uh, that are associated with our country by supporting the startups focusing on the global market. And in order to change this, we should relieve a number of constraints, especially, as I said, related to money transfer, digital assets, or crypto or blockchain rules. So by doing so, I believe that Tunisia, with all the entrepreneur's potential it has could become a great launch path for successful international startups. But the way, I mean, is not easy and long, and hopefully we can change this. <laughs> Where does the interest come from specifically? Is I mean, is there a big connection between Tunisia and France, for example, because of the language? Or where is the interest from abroad coming from mostly? I mean, th there is a language factor which maybe facilitate interaction and communication with uh, France, but it's not really limited to that. More and more young Tunisians are 
speak English now and English is starting to become the startups ecosystem new communication language Interesting. Uh, so we have the, I mean as some late successes there is a Tunisian startups expanding in the US and Britain and many of them also uh, go to the MENA region to Dubai to Qatar so I mean the interest come from investors in the MENA region, as I said, U.S., and uh, Tunisian startups are also aiming to attract the sub-Saharan African market because the Tunisian market is kind of small, so always looking for additional markets, either European, American, Middle Eastern, or sub-Saharan. And the language is not really an obstacle because Tunisians are really open languages in general. Oh, interesting. Cool. And some of the topics that you are kind of focused on, or at least the, what you're hoping to achieve on the impact side with the startups is employment. Tunisia has a youth unemployment particularly problem, but then also gender balance. So you're doing gender lens investing, and then you've got to focus on the environment. Are these sort of the key themes for Social Business Fund? Yes, these are mainly the key themes. As we suffer from unemployment a lot and the ratios are growing considering the late economic and political situation. Gender balance is also one of our main concerns and focus. You know, today women are highly represented in the how do you say, education level. Like when it comes to having a diploma, there is two women for one man like 66% of the graduated mm. youth are women. However, these ratios are inverted when it comes to the job market. We have only 25% of women that are uh, in the job market. And this is mainly related not to the competencies or the capabilities of women, but more related to a mindset and a culture. Like, I mean, women are formatted like to be at home, to be a mom, to be to take care of the house of the kids. So in general, this comes through the education, through the awareness and the change of mindset. So we really hope to have an equilibrium in the ratios between women and men. And as Impact Partner, we succeeded in having almost 40 to 50% of uh, women that are founder or co-founder of the projects that we support, which is really a great achievement. And uh, we're really proud of that. And hopefully we can see more women in the job and sectors. Are these traditional views on gender changing in Tunisia with the younger generation? Definitely, yes. There is more and more women in the innovative and entrepreneurial ecosystem. And the percentages are higher in the traditional economic uh, sector. And women are really um, innovative and there is a change of mindset, as I said, very promising. So compared to like in the classic industry, we have only less than 3% of women that have majority in the capital equity of the company. In the startups sector, we have almost 30% of women that, have, that are founders and have a high percentage in the capital 
So um, yes, very promising and we can notice the evolution. And as an impact fund, you're measuring against these kinds of criteria like gender equity, environmental impact, employment. And in fact, you're not only using an impact measurement system, but you've developed one called the impact management system. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yes, because at the end of the day, we want to prove to ourselves and to our investors and fund donors that the resources and efforts that are spent resulted in a real impact and that this impact could be a direct consequence of these efforts and resources, which is in itself not not simple. I mean, it's very complicated because there is other factors that come in. There is other programs that can support the same entrepreneurs. So it's, it's not simple. And we wanted to standardize the measurements as well as the methodology and process to plan, monitor, and eventually certify these observed change. So the IMS, the Impact Management System, is a guide that we developed with some partners and that can be used and adapted by any association or organization or company willing to monitor and certify its impact. And it's also compatible like with other standards and it's aligned with, um, for example, the EVPA guide and also the operating principles for impact management of the IFC that also collaborated with that on the implementation of the IMS. The last question I have is usually the hardest question on the podcast, and this might be indicative of the fact that most of the people I interview are so busy with their jobs that they forget about free time or something like that. But my my last question is for any of our listeners who are planning a trip to Tunis, what is your recommendation or your number one recommendation of something to do in the city? Okay. Yeah. As you said, I mean, this is hard to answer and to give just one. Yeah. I would say like, I mean, Tunisia, like all other countries is very specific and diverse. And it has different realities. So my advice is just don't fall into one specific narrative. So explore different experiences and don't limit it to popular activities or just to the blue uh, sea and the beaches. So there is much more to do. So I will say go with the flow and always look at the bright side because there is also some negative aspects that you could face coming in Tunisia and just enjoy the uniqueness of each experience. So get off the sun lounger on the beach and go see the real Tunis, go see the real Tunisia for yourself without any preconceived notions. Yes, and now we're also like waiting your visit, Ryan, to Tunisia. (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking forward to it. And now we'll give you more tips. You don't have to worry about me being the one on the beach or in the water. I'm almost always the one in a cafe with my head down in a book, no matter what city I'm in. I'm I'm a really bad beach vacation person. (laughs) Zainab Fafak, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you. You can find out more about EVPA at www.evpa.eu.com, including information on its training academy and how you can become a member. Remember to subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to it now to hear more stories like this one.